Welcome to Through the Line, the Agency Squared podcast with me, Andy Barjuri. In this episode, I'm talking with Roland Gurney from the agency Treacle. And Roland specialises in helping other agencies to market their business through really good positioning, really strong, clear copywriting, and helping them with their strategic thinking. Where should they focus their attention in terms of services, sectors, and so on and so forth. I hope you enjoy this show. Roland shares some great ideas for what agencies can be doing to position themselves better in the marketplace. Some great tips and suggestions for what you can do to better reach your target audience. Enjoy the show. Hi, Roland. Good afternoon. Hi, Andy. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? Really good. Yeah. Um, are you busy? sure? <laughs> yeah. No, did I not sound it? Yeah. No, really good. Um, busy, lots of things going on, juggling lots of ideas. But yeah, generally happy, healthy, excited. Excellent. Good. Good. Well, look, thanks very much for coming on to the show. I've been, I guess, following you for a little while because you keep posting these really excellent little clips on LinkedIn around helping agencies to write better website copy or to to explain who they are and what they do a bit better. And I thought, well, that would yeah. be really interesting to have a chat with you because, you know, you're an expert in helping agencies to tell their prospective clients what they do, I suppose, in a nutshell, aren't you? Exactly. And I thought it'd be great to get your perspective on that because we both have the same opinion that from the outside, looking in, most agencies look pretty vanilla or they look pretty much the same. Would you agree with that? Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, something we always say to, well, publicly and often to clients is I could probably pull up 10 other agencies in your niche on on Chrome browser and flick through them. And if I swap the logo out, I wouldn't really know the difference between any of them. Um, and that's normally, that's normally the bit that hits home to them, that that's how potential clients are kind of, that's the first process they're going through. They're literally just kind of scouring and filtering either consciously or subconsciously. And if you don't make it past that hurdle, then you've probably not got much chance of getting further in the race, to be honest. So yeah, exactly. I agree. And, and I, I don't know where this stat comes from, but I hear it a lot. Is there something like 20,000 agencies in the UK alone? So it's not like you're in a market space where this um, you know, clear blue space, you're competing with a lot of different agencies. Yeah. And I think something that's happened more recently is that there is 20,000 agencies and they're at differing sizes as well. I think the barrier to entry has been a bit lower. I think there's, there's a sort of subset of the market that's bought into the, the hustle culture and the sort of bro entrepreneurial. And so there's, <laughs> there's quite a lot of people that set up shop as, a, as an agency, sort of freelancers acting as agencies. And there's, kind of the waters have got quite murky, but that means that there's now probably more quantity than quality in a lot of sectors, which means it's even more important to stand out and kind of prove that you're premium compared to, you know, the people kind of, I wouldn't say at the bottom, but kind of coming through the ranks, let's say. <laughs> That's good. I was having this chat with somebody the last week. I was running a workshop in Guildford on marketing and digital strategy. And one of the, the ladies on the course was talking about the fake it till you make it culture that she's seen in agency. Because as you said there, there aren't very, really very many barriers to entry. 
you know, anyone can set up and call themselves an agency in a way that they go. Uh, and I think one of the ways that you can tell them apart from more established agencies is the way in which they present themselves. Yeah. So tell me a bit about how you get to a position as an agency where you've got a really clear, strong, differentiated proposition. What does that, what does that look like? How do you get to that point? Well, I think through lots of long, hard thinking, lots of asking all those basic, awkward questions. And although I'm totally biased, probably having somebody who isn't, who hasn't drunk the Kool-Aid internally and bought into the kind of um, the internal BS, somebody who's willing to call you out if they just think that you're waffling or if you happen to justify it so hard. But basically, I mean, nothing really that, that scary or brand new for most agencies. It's just a deep strategic process. And it, I mean, we go through it and we don't do anything revolutionary. I wouldn't say we don't have any kind of magical formulas necessarily but what we do do is you know dig into who exactly who you're trying to reach um where your point of differentiation can be you know is it the, the clients you service is it the service you offer is it you know your pricing is it your speed location is it personality it's finding something that's ownable and authentic about you that can give you a kind of point of difference and then, then we go into a kind of messaging thing, but it's really that it's almost 80% strategy, 20% messaging. If the strategy's razor sharp, you've nailed it, it really feels like you've got a single kind of clear idea of what you're all about, then articulating that is a hell of a lot easier. Um, projects where it's got a bit messier, I think, is because nobody's committed in the strategy part. They're trying to, they're trying to cover all bases. So that's when it tends to not, work so well the agencies with the really focused messaging the focused proposition tend to have made some bigger scarier decisions in as part of the strategic process and they're saying no to more people it's kind of the more you're willing to say no to the wrong people the more you can attract in the right people and that's scary especially when you look at your kind of cash flow and PL at the end of yeah. end of every month uh, you know but that is ultimately what makes the difference i think is commitment I think that's really interesting. If we go back to that piece about you know strategy being the starting point there, you know one of the areas that many agencies are weak at is strategy because they don't advise their clients that often on that. They're more yeah. involved in the doing end of the business. I, I, I want to pursue SEO. Can you get my keywords ranking on page one of Google? Or we recognize we've got um, we need to get more engagement with the media. Can you help me to engage with the media in my particular vertical? And less so yeah. much around the strategy. They're doing the doing and less of the thinking. And that's perhaps why as agencies, we are often unable to take that step back and think strategically around our business. And I yeah. guess also it relates to how many businesses are started on the kitchen table because someone <laughs> likes doing what they like doing. So they start up as a freelancer, get super busy, hire someone quite junior to let them grow a business. And then they're always in the trenches doing the doing and not thinking about what's next. Um, and they become that jack of all trades. And I say this to agencies all the time. If your positioning is we're a full service agency, you've already gone wrong as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Uh, how do you feel about a full service agency as a, as a descriptor? I mean, personally, I'm not a fan. I don't know how... I know there are successful full service agencies out there, so I don't want to be on the side of just knocking them for that 
just for that reason. But I do struggle to see how you would scale and, and market a full service agency because you're offering everything to everyone, which unless you've got such a sizable budget that you can go for a real true spray and pray approach and back it with some big budgets, it's not a very sort of sensible play to me. I think if you're a smaller agency looking to get traction quickly, servicing a certain market or having a very specialist offer is a lot quicker because you know exactly who you're trying to reach. And then it's easy to work out what you should be saying and then the tactics of where you should be to say that thing to those people. It's a lot more scalable. Um, so yeah I'm not personally a fan of full service and then quite often they're not even full service when you get into it there's just a sort of it just means a handful of services so it's all a bit of a blurry buzzword from a you know that feels a little bit dated probably but definitely not probably definitely feels definitely all right (laughs) (laughs) I'm gonna say definitely there I've seen agencies saying calling themselves full service for years but in all honesty I've never seen one that truly covers all the bases i think that uh, has a, a satisfied client base unless they're full service for a specific vertical we're full yeah. service for property developers or we're full service for health brands or something yeah. along those lines and i kind of get it yeah but it's that generic full service award-winning agency blah 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 it fits into that mix of custard soup that is the agency landscape i suppose exactly okay so it starts a strategy and i think with strategy it's about being brave isn't it it's about identifying a service set of uh, a vertical sector or a particular specialism particularly when you're small yes exactly yeah like i said it's being like you said being brave enough to make big decisions and saying no to some people in order to say yes to the right ones that's and it's scary you know we we did it as part of our journey we were generalist to a point, brand copywriting agency. Everything great, built a lot of relationships with agencies, but we were kind of seen as executional and they would call us up on a Friday and say, can you get this copy over by Monday? Um, And, you know, so we made that decision to kind of specialise and that was a bit scary. And there was a little dip temporarily where I thought, oh my God, I'm going to lose the house and my kid's going to not have any food on the table. Um, And we rode that wobble out. Jam sandwiches at Christmas. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, real tiny Tim Christmas. And um, we rode that little, only two or three months out, and then it was just a big a big up, upward surge from that point on because everything wrote itself. We knew who we were talking to, what to write, where to market, what groups to hang out in, what LinkedIn things to be on. It was all very, very slotting together, easy slotting together after that. So, yeah, that's um, we've seen firsthand how it works, I suppose, is the takeaway there. Excellent. And for clarity, your your agency is focuses on helping other agencies. So that's that's your niche, isn't it? It is. Yeah. So we are kind of super specialists. So not only are we a sort of strategy, messaging and copywriting, so words, really ideas and words agency, but we're an ideas and words agency for agencies. So, I mean, we're like the ultra nerdy, super specific um, <laughs> sniper rifle agency out there. But, you know, like you said, there's 20,000 agencies in the UK and that's just in the UK. And we service US clients as well, European clients as well. So if you scale that out globally because they come to us because we're the only people in the world who do it, there's a market, a very niche and nerdy market, but a very 
you know, small slice of a very big pie. So definitely that, that's all a, you need as an agency, right? That's where yeah. to get your, your foundations from is a small slice of a big market. It's fine. I like what you're saying about being ultra nerds there. Who was it said the nerds are going to rule the world? I think that's totally true. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The geek shall inherit the earth. That's it. The geeks inherit yeah. the earth. That's the right uh, quote, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. So if we look at the process, We've taken some brave decisions. We've created a strategy. We know what market we're going to focus on, the service that we're going to deliver. Then we're going to look at how we articulate that through our website. So there's some workshopping involved, I'm guessing, to get everyone around to look at what we're saying or what we want to say, how it relates to our target audiences. So marketing 101 stuff really, isn't it? And then having someone with the ability to write it who isn't in the trenches, I think is really important, isn't it? I had this chat with someone about, I don't know, a month or two ago, who was talking about his journey of selling his agency. And he was a branding agency, but he hired another branding agency to help him articulate and mm. pitch and position his branding agency. And that helped yeah. him on the journey to selling. I thought that was really yeah. insightful that even if you are an expert in the space, it pays to get someone else to, to come in and give you that external input. Absolutely. I mean, I had some conversations with a web design agency who were who had hired another web design agency to make their website because they didn't want to go through the internal rigmarole of everybody thinking they knew how it should be. So they paid out for for that expert view just because it's the same with what we do. Sometimes it's not that they don't have the capability in-house, it's just that they've got too much capability. There's too many, too many leaders pulling in slightly different directions. And it's the same with messaging. Sometimes you need somebody to pick a winner because otherwise they go around, you go round and round the houses unpicking all the good work or everybody says, well, but we should add this word in and I like this word. And eventually you get, like you said, a sort of custard soup of everybody's ideas. And as you like design by committee is always the worst in you know, every discipline. So sometimes, yeah, having somebody who can just go, no, this person's got a really good idea. Let's roll with that. And then, you know, we can test and tweak over time. Definitely helps. Definitely helps. I like that test and tweak over time because I think I was talking a lot over the uh, last week about digital marketing and the ability to use data points to look for opportunities for improvement, good old fashioned AB testing and multivariate and all that sort of stuff. I guess it's the same in this instance, you know, once you've created some copy on a website, you can see, are people following your calls to action? Are they going, taking the action you want them to take as they flow through a website, for example? Exactly. So yeah, like you said, AB testing is great for if you've got you know, you, you're torn between two or three value propositions or big website headlines, and you kind of want to see what lands. Um, you can check analytics is good for just some basics. Hotjar is really good if you want to get a bit voyeuristic and actually watch people interact with the site. So it will record all their mouse clicks and movements, and that's really engrossing. If, yeah, it gets a bit weird. You don't see their face. It's just literally the screen, but it's great in terms of copy to see where they, where they hover and where they leave. And if they always leave on a certain page or a certain part of the page, is that, are you saying something that's not quite landing or um, also with there's dead ends, quite often websites and website messaging can lead people through a nice journey and then there's nothing for them to do. So they just leave, but we try and test to see, filter them back in through other pages. So they, they go through the whole journey. So yeah, that, that process generally is great if people are on board with it to, to make sure that you're not, missing one or two little things that could make all the difference between somebody clicking contact and not clicking contact. And we've tested it. We've, we've been surprised how many people leave on our contact page. They're really close. They're so close to wanting to, to be in an inquiry or a lead. 
something puts them off. So we're constantly refining that page to find out what, what it is, you know, is that what it is that they they want to hear on that contact page to fill in the form or pick up the phone. God, so, yeah. that's, that's really interesting. Uh, on the contact page, you hope by then you've convinced them to fill in a form or at least pick up the phone or something. Yeah. So, I mean, I think it's an often overlooked page because um, you've taken people through a journey. They've been given all the big messages, the value proposition, the reasons to choose you, why you're different, the, you know, the about page story. They've bought into everything. And as we see with a lot of agencies, they go a bit cold on the contact page and it just has a quite a sort of aggressive looking form and it says contact us. But really, that's the point when they're looking to turn it into a, a human relationship at that point, because they're going to speak to a human. So it's quite a pivotal point to keep keep it feeling inviting and welcoming and not scary to pick up the phone. Yes. Yeah. I, I like the sound of an, well, I dislike the sound of an aggressive sounding contact form. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not really sure what that is. I just think you see those big gray boxes and you think, oh, I don't like opening with like, how big is your budget or something like that? And you think, well, it's good yeah, for you qualifying, but is it? Very <laughs> intimidating. Yeah, yeah. I had a client who wanted to do that once. It's like, how big is your budget? And they had the options. He dropped down. It's like 1 million plus, 5 million. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I know you're yeah. qualifying people out, but you know, we do need to have some conversations. Yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I mean, people are, yeah, that, exactly. That You might be closing the, the conversation off just a little bit too early for their £900,000 budget and they've not <laughs> made that grade. Yeah, exactly that. So what uh, what are the kind of common mistakes then? What do you see lots of agencies doing that are really easy to overcome? Yeah. What are the things that you think, you know, just kind of 101 basics that agencies get wrong all the time? A few things. This is this is me on a rant, so bear with me. Rant, but... rant away, rant Okay. <laughs> So things I see, um, it all being very much a monologue, not a dialogue. So by that, I mean, it's really just the equivalent of the agency walking up to a client and just telling them all about themselves for 30 minutes and then walking off, which is, <laughs> which is not, as you know, in real life, is that's the person at the party that everybody's trying desperately to avoid. So I think we see a lot of agency websites where I would say 70, 80, 90% of the sentences begin with we. It's just we do this, we do that, we are this, we do this. And I'm not, there's nothing wrong intrinsically with the word we. It's just the context of it is just, it's just a claim after a claim after yeah. a claim after yeah. this. And it's just a bit boring. Um, uh, on, on that note, Rowan, that reminds me a few years ago, uh, somebody was talking about copywriting for websites and they said, Have you looked at the we we monitor? <laughs> we we monitor and someone had actually built a website where you could plug in your url and it uh, would tell you how many times the word we had been used on your website oh, i don't know whether really it still cool. exists <laughs> well we do the same thing where we would just like uh, command f to find it and then just do a rough thing of how many times we comes up versus you and it's quite interesting to see that sometimes there'll be you know on a page 40 50 instances of we and they've not used the word you or your once in it which just it's a very unscientific there's no wee wee monitor but it's just a quick uh, a quick scan of seeing how it's coming off but i think it's just it's more of a mindset and it's it's not just the copy it's a mindset of how agencies have pitched themselves which is we'll just tell you about ourselves and we'll go head to head with every other agency that does the same and you pick the one that you like but they're missing a trick by the one that you know, if you're the person at the party asking the questions and showing empathy and listening and understanding and that you understand their situation, that puts you in a much stronger sort of persuasive position, basically. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So overuse of the word we and not enough thought about who you're talking to then. Mm. Yeah, and I think another thing to bear in mind, which is kind of copywriting 101, but on that similar line is there's that, that should, by using you and your, kind of hopefully bring out a bit more benefits. So not always just selling the how, the kind of process or the deliverable, but really talking about how that impacts the, the client that's reading the website or the cred stack. Or, and when we say benefits, it's kind of finding the balance because there's different ways to frame those benefits. Often in B2B, it's, you know, ultimately they're just looking to make more money. But if you just always kind of claim that everything you do is going to make them more money, it's not that believable. They kind of want to know, well, how we, you know, we do SEO and we'll grow your business is great, but it's, it's missing the nuance. So the more interesting benefits are actually where it gets more specific and a bit more emotional. So not just we're going to grow your business, but kind of, you know, we're going to do this and this and you'll get this and you'll feel this. These are all kind of, so get is a great word to kind of introduce some kind of outcome or benefit. Um, feel is great for introducing some kind of emotional transformation so you're going to feel confident or you're you know that's mm-hmm. that kind of personal thing is really emotion is a big part of it that I think a lot of agencies overlook because clients really choose partly with emotion and then justify it with logic which is the same for most sales processes generally that it's really as much heart as head it's not always rational we don't I don't buy Nike shoes because they're made of the best materials that's not a rational logical decision always there's other processes in play which is partly brand but um yeah I think appealing to a range of emotional and rational benefits is more persuasive than just one or the other yeah I remember there was a big play a few years ago about using emotions certainly in b2c marketing and then the b2b marketeers as invariably the case caught up with emotions and realized that even in b2b you're still buying from people and people are emotional yeah. creatures by their very nature so using that emotional messaging and storytelling is actually really impactful yeah and i don't think it needs to be sort of woo woo <laughs> or you know too it doesn't need to always be touchy feely sort of over the top i think just you know things that people like in terms of feelings b2b certainly confidence clarity these are all kind of feelings that people like that you know that, that still kind of have a rational sense it's not always feeling warm and fuzzy and happy and you know smiley and it doesn't need to be that kind of language necessarily but i think just a little bit of that sprinkled in yeah i think that's good and i think going back to the the benefits there whenever i think about uh, benefits to tie it to a feature so the feature is this and then the lovely little phrase which means that ties it to yes. the benefit and i like that yeah in the copy that's great this is what you're going to get and the result to you is oh great save yes. me time speed me up whatever whatever i'm looking for is a really nice way to tie those together exactly and i think another thing just on that is that often people write an agency copy or marketing they do do that but what they do is the benefit is quite hidden at the end of the sentence and the way that people read websites especially but even you know um, most materials they scan so if you're hiding the benefits at the end of lots of long sentences most people won't make it there so it's almost like front load it with the benefit this you know get this or you know feel this and then explain how they get there because you've hooked them quicker than waiting for them to get there so yeah we do quite a lot we know quite a lot of nerdy stuff about how people read websites and it's they don't really read they scan so yeah front the first word can be really important of a a sentence they tend to pick that up oh really okay so so start off with 
50% increase in sales is what our last client saw. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that, that's a really good example. Yeah, that stuff like that. Or even, you know, just like verbs. But yeah, just, just some way of hooking them in quicker rather than we do this and we do this, we do this. And then at the end, you're going to get this outcome because they won't make it to the end, probably. Mm. So um, yeah, just a quick bit. Yeah, that's really good. I th- I, do you know what? Actually, I think... I think I saw you put that tip out on LinkedIn recently as well. I was like, oh yeah, that makes real sense to me. <laughs> yeah, we do. Yeah, we do a lot of stuff on benefits because I mean that's really the big kind of money shot thing. If you can find the biggest benefit, that's you know that's the thing you can lead with, and then you use the other smaller ones throughout the the messaging as you go. So mm-hmm. that's that's what sells. People care about themselves ultimately. <laughs> um, they care what's in it for them, not what you do. They care what they get that's that's a big flip i think once you can nail that yeah i, I agree with that they, they 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 like to know that they're going to get a benefit and then be reassured by the rest of the story around the benefit when what are your yeah. credentials as an agency yeah and, and i guess as well this really fits into your positioning you know where where do you sit in contrast to the other players in the market if i'm looking for a pr agency or i'm looking for any kind of agency really who's in your competitive set and, and what are you all saying yeah i guess that's part of your analysis Ronan, is it? when you're talking to an agency is to have a look at who the competition is and you know can we find a space for ourselves exactly yeah so we, we we dig into that a lot that's that's a big part of it and we map agencies against their closest competitors and we we compare their positioning and messaging side by side to see where the gap is that, that you know to exploit and Sometimes it's very clear that there's a service or a sector that, that could really be owned. Where it gets more nuanced, I suppose, is sometimes there isn't, you know, and the benefits and the services and the benefits are kind of similar across the space. That's when it gets a bit, not more interesting, but it, it's, it becomes maybe about positioning on a personality or having an attitude or an approach. Because sometimes, the, you know, agencies do just do the same thing and it's, it is hard to differentiate. So yeah, sometimes we'll, we'll that will be that will be the positioning, or we'll really push into a tone of voice or a kind of attitude that that they can own uh, and bring to the market a different, slightly different take on it. Uh, it's not it's not the first thing we try and position people into. It's just as good as a, a sort of a different way in markets where it's really hard to be different or distinctive. Um, mm, okay. What what other tools are there in the positioning arsenal, as it were? Obviously, tone of voice you've mentioned there. I'm guessing going back to strategy and thinking about service set and specialism as well. Uh, what else can yeah. agencies do to kind of strengthen or reinforce their positioning? Um, I mean, yeah, this is a really good question. It's something that we're always kind of asking ourselves. A sort of price, I suppose. So that you can either pricing and sort of that that whether you're premium. Um, and have that kind of feel whether you want to be affordable whether it's going to be commoditized and packaged you know there's different policy pricing policies you can do speed is also kind of another possibility so we've seen an agency called one week websites where they kind of they took away that kind of never-ending deadline that some people felt and that that became their positioning which is you know it's interesting also the opposite can be true which is you know we do really slow deep strategic work so you can almost push the other way which is we don't do t- fast turnaround executional stuff um we've seen some agencies where location's been a factor so really pushing into um owning a certain geography or territory um which works really well yeah for some things great for seo it's very easy to kind of own that kind of market and then 
yeah, I, I suppose personality has been a part, which is, yeah, so we were doing some work with an agency and we found that their competitors had pushed into personality because the, the execution and the deliverable was kind of always similar. So they couldn't right. really find an angle. So they, they pushed into being wacky, basically. They were like almost sort of over, over the top fun and crazy. And that, that became their whole angle to kind of position their whole service around, you know, with the nice guys that you'd want to spend time with or, yeah. you know, yeah. So yeah, that's a handful of things off the top of my head. Gosh, uh, the wacky positioning, that's an interesting one to try and pull off. It's one thing saying it, it's another thing living the brand, I suppose, isn't it? Yeah, I'm not, I wouldn't say wacky is always the best one, but we've done some work where they've gone for edgy or controversial or, or they've, they've positioned themselves as a rebel. Yeah. Um, sometimes they position themselves as a hero against a villain. There's, you know, there's a few different, under personality, there's a few different ways you could, you know, you could flex that to make that. Wacky's not de- not necessarily the go-to one, <laughs> and only yeah, one person uh, could be wacky in this space. Otherwise, you just look like the wacky try-hard friend of the wacky agency, which is even worse. I can't help but to think about uh, Timmy Mallet. Do you remember Timmy Mallet? He was a wacker day. Oh yeah, influential. Yeah, <laughs> it's just I don't know how that gets carried off in an agency world, where particularly if you're. <laughs> doing a lot of work with B2Bs, you know, you're kind of excluding a big chunk of the market, which is no bad thing, I suppose, if that's who you want to work with. If that's yeah. your style and your and your uh, your mission, uh, vision, your values. Um, yeah. I think that's an important point as well, actually. Going back to strategy is what's the, the vision for the agency? A few years ago, I had a, a young guy working for me and he told me he was leaving because he didn't understand what my vision for my agency was. Mm-hmm. At the time, I was a bit like, well, why do you care? You're just, you're just get, getting going. But I Looking back, I feel a bit um, naive that I didn't really articulate that well enough. You know, if I wasn't spelling mm. it out clearly enough to my own team, sure as hell the clients weren't understanding where we were trying to get to. And that's quite yeah. interesting. You know, how do you build that into your, uh, into your positioning, into your copy? And there's been a lot of talk around purpose, hasn't there, recently? Mm. And uh, CSR and uh, B Corps and all this kind of stuff as well, I think is another interesting way of positioning an agency. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. Yeah, we, I mean, we do cover this stuff off. I think it's always different agencies and different people have different takes on it. We've been told sometimes that they don't want to get into the mission, vision, values. That's not that they just want. They're purely about the the message to market. That's not our advice. We've just been told by the client not to focus in on that. And then we've had others where it's been absolutely the bedrock of everything they wanted to be about. Yeah, and their whole purpose has been the way to frame their positioning and their messaging has been around that. So we flex a little bit on that. We don't force anybody into anything that they don't feel the value in, but um, we're a bit on the fence, I suppose, about whether there's the big thing that, you know, that clients buy the why of your agency. Mm. And I think that's certainly part of bringing the story to life, but I'm not convinced it's the only thing they buy. I think they buy, different things in different clients by different things. And I think you need to have some of it, but I wouldn't, it became a bit of a trend, I think, didn't it? To, you know, to have that somewhere, some sort of grand statement of how you were single-handedly saving the world or something. And <laughs> I don't think that really, unless you really walk that talk is a true or B probably what's clinching it for clients. Yeah. I mean, it goes back to Simon Sinek's uh, start with the why, doesn't it? These Ted talk from, 20 whenever it was probably 2010 somewhere around about there and yeah. now i know there are some huge fans of that in in our agency squared community uh, but there are also people that 
you know, aren't really believers. They, they don't follow that um, methodology. You know, there's a huge number of very successful enterprises that don't really have a why. They exist to make money for their shareholders, but they still make bucket loads of money. So it's not an essential ingredient. But I think in, a, in an organization like an agency, if you haven't got a why, at the very least, you need to have some kind of guiding light, some kind of vision. You know, we want to be the UK's number one SEO agency for uh, tech companies, whatever that looks like. And there's got to be yeah. a reason, I think, to pin all of your thinking around. Otherwise, I suspect if you haven't got that vision, then your strategy might not be so tight. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I think that's it. I think the tension for us is whether it's an internal guiding North Star or whether we make that very central to the external messaging. And that's where some clients see it as an internal thing. Some clients see it as this should be front and center on our, on our website. Yeah that's totally it varies i suppose in, yeah. but yeah it's definitely part of part of the solution to have that unity yes i think so unity is important talk to me about clients you've worked with or uh, agencies you see that are doing this really well who's who stands out and you look at them and go oh that agency's really got their messaging on point mm. <laughs> Oh, this is this is going to feel bad if I don't call out agencies that we've worked with, isn't it? Um, <laughs> and that's okay, mate. Drop in some, drop in some clients. It's fine. I mean, we, we have worked with a range across sectors. I mean, from sort of two-person sort of studio s- setups to, I think our biggest client was like um, fourteen offices globally, five hundred wow. headcount. I mean. In all honesty, I would say that we probably are able to do our best work in the sweet spot in between. So I would say the the point where we tend to agencies tend to engage with us is they've got to a certain size and their business has probably outgrown their brand slightly. And what's happening, this tends to be a very common theme for us. We know our ideal clients really well, um, which is they are selling themselves as executional, but they're, what they're actually doing is giving away a lot of strategic work and they're not selling the depth and expertise that they have. They're not, they're not communicating that and selling that in all honesty. So it's normally there's a sweet spot of five to five to 25 headcount where they seem to be doing great work. They've got some good clients, but they just need their messaging to reflect where the business has grown to. Mm, okay. That tends to be the sweet spot. Um, in terms of people who've really nailed it, there's bits from lots of it would be a Frankenstein of lots of different agencies for different reasons. I think there's not <laughs> one me, give, that I think. Give me Roland's monster. Let's do it. Oh, okay, right. Oh, off the top of my head. So there's a studio I like called White Bear Studio, who we actually haven't worked with. I just like them. They do branding for startups, and I think their kind of proposition or headline was like uh, creating future unicorns, which I liked, which was very much the language of startups. So it wasn't, it's not necessarily there's anything specific about the copy. It just works for their audience really well. And then they talk about, um, yes, I, they kind of carry that theme through the messaging really nicely, which is good. Um, I really like that, creating future unicorns. Like you say, it just aligns perfectly to who they want to work with, doesn't it? Yeah. I think we, we worked with um, an agency in the US who do packaging design, but they're Positioning became that they did fo- they did focus group testing of the packaging so that they they uh, brands weren't 
spending money on things that never really worked. And we, we had a really nice value proposition, which was um, know it sells before it hits the shelves, which was like a really nice summary because it sounded nice, but it also completely encapsulated their, their whole kind of angle on it, which was, which was nice. So they, that was good for that. Again, really nice. I like that. It's something you're going to remember for a long time, isn't it? It gave them a point of difference. Yeah. There's an agency. I mean, the best agency website, I don't know if you've seen it. This is a bit off topic, but is by an agency called Zulu Alpha Kilo, who are actually a real agency, but it looks like a spoof agency. But it, it's the send-up of agency websites. and it. But they are a genuine creative agency who win awards because they're... And that's a fantastic example because... It's an agency showing creativity, not saying creativity. And that's a massive thing. For me. It blew my mind when I saw that. What's it called? Z- Zulu Alpha Kilo? Zulu Alpha Kilo, yeah. If it's, I Google that, is it going to come up? Is it Google that. It's, it's yeah. the best half an hour of agency satire that, that works because it wins them clients. And then there's an agency in New York called Newfangled who have an About You page, which we love because it's not, it's a it's a kind of it's a flip of the traditional about us page and it's really inspiring and empowering about how much they know about their ideal clients and how it's a filtering system and it's a great idea to have an about you page to make it's like a way of qualifying and checking that there's a good fit there um so yeah newfangled that's really good I'm trying to think don't worry, that you don't have to rack your brains for this. Uh, yeah, sorry. I, uh, I'm trying to think. I haven't got uh, yeah, it's it's little bits from lots of things that I like. I mean, Velocity Partners are a B2B marketing agency that have really nice copy because it's not B2B in any way. This is Doug, Doug Kessler, isn't it? And it is, um, yeah. Yeah, I think I, I I often refer to Velocity Partners as an agency that I at one time aspired to be, and I think that they're excellent. And I really like their their ability to to put out compelling content in formats that's not necessarily the way you'd expect in a B two B reasonably conservative environment. And I think yeah. that they're, yeah, they're, they're they're excellent. I like B I like uh, Velocity a great deal. Yeah, they're really good. I think for me, I just don't not 100% bought into the idea of B2B and B2C as kind of two different languages that you need to flip between. I think they're a perfect example that, especially nowadays, I think the people at the top of B2B companies to consume content and everything else in the same way as everything as everybody else. I don't see there being a kind of ivory tower full of stuffy people anymore. I think they are digital and they, they do swear and they probably are a bit more relaxed and they do consume content in the same way as the rest of us. And it doesn't need to be some sort of academic way of writing for B2B. It's a bit of a, it's a myth. I think I don't mm. think that's, that's real anymore. Personally. Yeah. I think you're probably right there. You know, at the end of the day, we go back to that thing about emotion earlier. We're just humans interacting yeah. with other humans whether we're buying a tube of toothpaste or an agency service you know it's exactly. still about a human interaction isn't it so you probably spot on the money there exactly. okay so once we've got our strategy and we've thought through our positioning we've looked at the competition and we've written our website what do agencies typically do next where do they how do they communicate their positioning uh, how do they communicate with their audience what are the things you see agencies doing you think oh yeah they're doing that really well what kind of content huh. do you like? Yeah. That's really that's a really good point. Really funny, actually. So that we're just been working today on putting together a package of, of exactly this because we've realised that there's a bit of a 
there's a bit of a gap. So we take agencies on the journey or we start the journey of the repositioning or the positioning and then we get that articulation really tight. We take it to market. But then that's only really a certain percentage of the journey. That that positioning needs to be reinforced across loads of different touch points. Um, and that's often a bit of that's often where we've left the process. So now we're going to stay with agencies a bit longer and kind of see that positioning through through content. And I mean, strategically, what we've found works really well content-wise is to have some kind of chunky, meaningful, valuable guide or sort of lead magnet for want of a better term, but something really ownable, almost all of their knowledge given away, and which agency owners often think, oh my God, the client's just going to do it themselves, but no client does it themselves. And if they do, they just, all they're doing is they A, do a bad job and B, realize how difficult your job is as an agency. <laughs> so we get this, we, we try and move clients to putting out some really big content, gate it off, collect email addresses and then run email sequences that are not really boring newsletters, but actually have lots of personality that really resonate that, you know, there's, there's value in them, but they're also entertaining and that people do actually look forward to reading them. It's not just about the office playlist or, you know, what, what the office <laughs> dog ate this lunchtime, yeah, but yeah. really valuable. And then that massive piece of content, whatever it is, an ebook or a how to guide or what, and whatever you kind of frame it as, can get repurposed and broken down into lots of different things. LinkedIn series, you know, like you mentioned, we're doing just kind of tips and giveaways of just things that have come from stuff we've written in the past. They can be broken down into blog series. And I think having something to say, having a clear positioning gives you something to say. So we hear quite a lot from agency owners. I'm actually not a bad writer, but I just don't really know what to talk about. That's general, generally what we hear. Once you've nailed the positioning and you've got some messaging, it gives you a lens to see the world through so that you can take things that are in the news and kind of spin it through how, you know, your positioning and how, how you see it. Or you can, you know, you can give away bits of information or you can, you can talk about how, you know, your expertise, you can share your expertise as a way of establishing your, your position. And, and I think it's, it's being consistent and, clear and regular with the content that's where i see it going wrong there's a lot of agency owners they get they get ahead of steam they splurge loads of content for two weeks and then a project lands and then we don't hear from them tumbleweeds for two weeks three weeks four weeks six weeks later once the project's over they're back and they're releasing all the content and then but that just isn't how the algorithm or people work it needs feeding regularly with interesting insights so yeah, sorry, a bit of a waffle, but that's that's just been on my mind today, literally. <laughs> it's a bit of a very calm rant there, Roland. I like it. And, okay, that, okay. and if I think back to you know the various podcasts I've done on kind of business development for agencies, there was a, a lady called Katie Howell who runs an agency called Immediate Future. And what you've just described there is exactly what she does. She puts out some really high-value content a couple of times a year that she invests a lot of time and effort into. Yeah. And that's the fuel for creating conversations. And I think she uses that same piece of content to create lots of little offshoots and smaller pieces of content that feed up to that white paper or that ebook you can download. And she's happy with anyone to download that. She says, she, I think she said, often she'll see competitors downloading it. And she's okay with that because she's like, so what? Yeah. And as long as the three or four people that actually download it are valued customers in the end, that doesn't matter to me. 
you know, it secures her positioning as a leader, a thought leader in that particular space. Uh, yeah, so. she's brilliant. She's a real um, smart cookie. And uh, yeah, I, yeah, I like her stuff. I think it's really good. But yeah, exactly that. She's a perfect example of have something so big and so ownable that it, it makes you the, the industry leader in that in that world yes yeah yeah absolutely i think she does that really well i think um the social chain does that really well as an agency as well they put out loads of content that i just think wow how how have they got the resource the time the headspace to do all this amazing stuff that they do and uh, i totally admire what they're doing at social chain for their ability to do that um yeah yeah Wow. Okay. So loads of good ideas in there that agencies can take away. I like how you're going to kind of stick on board and help them hold their hand a bit through that process. It must be nothing more frustrating than saying, this is how you do it. And in the next couple of weeks, you see a lot of content that's nothing to do with what you've just prescribed almost. Yeah. Yeah. That's the plan. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's hard. We understand it, it will take time for agencies to bed into a new voice or positioning, but yeah, it needs reinforcing because they do tend to go back to old habits of, things pretty quickly so yeah it's going to be interesting i think i think it'll be beneficial for them yeah to just solidify what we what we've started already yeah yeah good idea so where do you go to where do you look for inspiration Roland? outside of looking at agency websites and going god that's terrible what (laughs) where do you look for what what guides what guiding lights do you read or look at to give you inspiration so we're in that murky world between business development so read a lot of hang around with lots of agency new business and biz dev people and read their take on things um we definitely read a lot of industry stuff like you know the drum and campaign and that kind of thing but try and get out of that world as well because it can be you know a bit of an echo chamber so um definitely just soaking in a lot of brand work and seeing you know i like advertising and seeing where advertising is going and um, uh, borrow, borrowing good ideas or being inspired by advertising's good ideas and where we can um, make them work in our world and then outside of that I just just general interesting business books and podcasts I think are yeah things that are kind of just a little bit removed from this world but not too left field just just enough outside of it so I read an interesting book i think it's uh life's a pitch or something and it's a really cheesy book about a guy who was back as a, a was a biz, business development person for a big agency somewhere and he had all has all these kind of crazy stories and hacks about how he would schmooze sort of brand people and it's kind of not really the world that i'm in or probably sort of only exist in certain circles nowadays but really interesting and just kind of got some really interesting ideas about how to yeah, just things like that, I suppose. Just things a little bit outside the comfort zone. I think I've got that book somewhere. Have you? I, I, I have this really bad habit of buying business books and then they yeah. sort of sit <laughs> oh, bugger, yeah. what have I done now? And, and then it never gets read. And then sometimes you look at them and you think, yeah, I'm never going to read that Steve Jobs biography because it's like, just like massive. And I think I started yeah. it and got quite bored of that. But that kind of more action-oriented book, like Life's a Pitch, I think is probably quite good for me to actually – get back onto yeah. the top of the reading list yeah yeah i think pod- podcasts are good for that definitely podcasts are kind of a bit more co- easily consumable um generally aren't they i find that's easier to put put my headphones on and go for a walk nowadays and i probably will sit, get 
headspace to sit down and read a book quietly. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe that's yeah, yeah. The, that's the future, isn't it? Well, I used to listen to a lot of podcasts on the way because I used to go into London quite a lot on the train. Was mm. the perfect? It's like a one hour journey. I can get a whole episode in. Brilliant. And of course, yeah. uh, the pandemic seen the end. Of, I haven't been to London since March, um, so my podcast consumption's gone down a bit. Yeah, <laughs> still recording them as you can tell. Yeah, yeah good, good. So, Roland, I thank you very much for coming and joining me on the show. It's been an interesting look at um, as how agencies can communicate better and position themselves. If someone wants to get in touch, wants to find out more about you and Treacle, um, what's the best way to reach out and say hello? Um, I mean, I'm on LinkedIn. So, yeah, Roland Gurney, or just head to treacle-copy.com and just drop us a message. It comes through to me. Um, yeah, just happy to have a chat at any point. Amazing. Rowan, thanks so much. No, thanks, Andy. It's been great. Appreciate it.